Thanks for joining us through the Crossbridge Podcast. We hope this message speaks to you wherever you may be on your spiritual journey and helps you take your next step of growth in your relationship with Jesus. For more information about Crossbridge or to speak with one of our ministry team members, please visit crossbridge.church. Welcome to Crossbridge. I'm glad that you chose to worship with us this weekend. My name is John. I serve as one of the pastors here at Crossbridge. Over the past few months, we've been journeying through the story of the Bible, and uh, we have come to Jesus. Last week, Pastor Kevin spoke about the arrival of Jesus, and this week, we shift our focus to the ministry of Jesus. And today, we're going to look at three short stories where Jesus interacts with people, the difference that he makes on their lives. And I just want to give you a heads up. These stories are not spectacular. They're, they're not the cool miracle stories. Rather, these stories are simply focused and made up of people talking with Jesus. Now, I picked these stories over some others because I didn't want our attention to be drawn to the what of Jesus was doing. Sometimes we get really excited about the things that Jesus did for people, the miracles he performed, and we for, can forget that he did them for people. And so today, I really want us to focus on the people that Jesus is ministering to. And here's why. When we focus on who Jesus ministered to, we learn something about God's heart. We learn that God pursues and loves all people. When Jesus ministers to someone, when he chooses to sit down and eat with them, when he engages them in a conversation, we see the heart of God. We see that God wants a relationship with all people. And so today, we're going to look at three people that Jesus chose to minister to. And it's not quite fair, but but I'm going to nickname these people. I'm going to give them a label. And, and nicknames and labels aren't always fair, but sometimes they are accurate. Uh, I remember a few years ago sitting in a group of people and we were doing one of those get-to-know-you games that, you know, we all love, right? And so part of that get-to-know-you game was writing your favorite ice cream flavor down on a piece of paper, dropping it in a hat. And, and then someone picked up all the pieces of paper and they began to read the ice cream flavors. And then you were supposed to guess whose favorite flavor that was. And so it was that whole get-to-know-you thing. And so I wrote down vanilla bean, right? So don't judge me, vanilla bean. It's awesome. And so I wrote down vanilla bean. And, and I remember when in the group the person picked out the tag that was mine, the piece of paper that was mine, and read vanilla bean. And everybody started laughing and making fun of the person that would, uh, would have chosen vanilla bean. And I was slightly offended, maybe greatly offended by that. They were making fun. They were laughing. Who would pick vanilla? And then everybody in the room turned their attention, their eyes on me, and they said, it's got to be John. His whole life describes vanilla. And I was like, that's not fair. And then I thought about it. And I was like, yeah, they're actually right. And so they nicknamed me Vanilla because everything in my life is so plain. It's vanilla. I feel like I'm salty sometimes. But anyways, so uh, nicknames aren't always fair, but sometimes they're true. And so today we're going to give these folks nicknames. We're going to give them labels. I'm going to tell you their real name. I'm going to read the story. And then we're going to talk about their label. So let's jump in. The first is Levi, and this is Levi's story. It goes like this. As Jesus walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, 
Jesus told him. And Levi got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples. For there were many who followed Jesus. When the teachers of the law were sorry, when the teachers of the law who were Pharisees saw him eating with the sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, "Why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners?" On hearing this, Jesus said to them, "It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners." So here in this story, we see Jesus approach this man named Levi. If we were going to try and describe Levi and how he was seen in his day, Levi would probably be best known as the cheat. Levi was a tax collector, and tax collectors were seen as dishonest scoundrels. They were seen as thieves. Tax collectors were greedy men who did whatever they had to to get ahead, even if it was at the expense of others. And so in the story, Levi is sitting in his tax collector's booth. It's the symbol of his identity. And Jesus approaches Levi in his tax collector's booth, and he invites Levi to follow him. Levi does follow Jesus and then invites Jesus to his house for for a dinner party with all of his friends. And you know what? When Jesus gets there, Levi's friends are just like him. Uh, They're a bunch of scoundrels and thieves. And Jesus sits there and eats with them. Now it's fascinating because Jesus is a respected religious teacher. He's been traveling around to this point in his ministry. He's been serving people. He's been teaching people about God. He's been performing miraculous signs and wonders. He's been healing people. He's been doing all of this amazing stuff. And Jesus is known as a rabbi, and rabbis had certain rules during that time. There were certain people that they could relate to, talk to, and minister and serve. There were certain people they could touch. There were certain people that they shouldn't minister to or talk to or touch and Levi and his crew his buddies were the folks that Jesus shouldn't be talking to they were the people that you didn't choose to engage with and to love and so Levi and his buddies these cheats and scoundrels are there and it's shocking that Jesus would sit down with them and he'd have a meal with them you see we would be surprised too in our day if Jesus was walking around and like, there's Jesus, and Jesus chose to sit down with a bunch of cheaters, to sit down with a bunch of thieves, to sit down with people who prey on the innocent, who take advantage of others for their own good, it would make us angry. If Jesus were walking around and he would sit down and he'd say, hey, follow me, let's go have a party and sit down and eat together, we'd be offended by that. You know, I was trying to think of a current example for us to, to relate to, right? Folks that would be cheaters or scoundrels, a group of people that's so hated for their conniving ways, a group of people that, that we just don't like, that we even hate almost universally, a group of people that would shock us and make us angry if Jesus, Jesus would choose to love them and to sit and have dinner with them. And the best example I could think of are the New England Patriots football team. (laughs) You see, it's like Jesus chose to say to Bill Belichick and Tom Brady, hey, you cheaters, 
follow me and let's go have a big party in Foxborough together. We'll have a big team party. It'll be great, you cheaters. <laughs> you, you see, Jesus continually surprises us with the people that he chooses to have conversations with, with the people he chooses to sit across from the table with. Jesus surprises us about the people that he would welcome to follow him. You see, Jesus came to love, to save, to lead people into a relationship with him. Even the cheaters, the scoundrels, and the thieves. But you see, Jesus also issues them a challenge. To the cheater, he says, follow me. Find a new way of living. And so we have Levi, the cheat. Our our second person we're looking at today is Nicodemus. And here's a short part of Nicodemus' story. It says, Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. For no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, Very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. If we have Levi the cheat on one end of the spectrum, on the opposite end of that spectrum, we have Nicodemus, who we would call the curious. You see, Nicodemus was a member of the Pharisees. They were a powerful group of Jews that had both religious and political power. They were ambitious, they were focused, and there was a number of them in Jesus' day. And they came into constant conflict with Jesus. They were always fighting Jesus. They were criticizing his way of ministry. And Nicodemus was a leader among that group of people. And Nicodemus is kind of a big deal. He is a leader. He has money. He has reputation. He is respected by others. But he's curious about this man named Jesus. His buddies, the Pharisees, hate Jesus. But, but Nicodemus sees something in Jesus. He, he knows Jesus was from God, and, and he's been performing these miraculous signs. And so Nicodemus wants to find out more about Jesus, but he has a reputation to protect. He, he has a lot he could lose. There's, there's money, there's power, there's his friends and his reputation, his occupation. His friends weren't fans of Jesus. His, his co-workers weren't friends of Jesus. They didn't like Jesus. They were opposed to him. And so the story tells us that Nicodemus comes to Jesus at night. It's almost as if Nicodemus is wearing a hoodie, right? He's got the the hood up and a baseball hat on and some sunglasses so no one will recognize him. Maybe he has a fake mustache on too, right? Can you you imagine that? That Nicodemus is kind of afraid, but he's still curious about who Jesus is. I don't know if you've ever been there where you're curious about another person, but you're fearful to engage them face-to-face. I remember in high school being with a, a group of buddies. There was five of us total, and, and we were at a, a amusement park for the night. Our youth group had gone to the amusement park. There was a bunch of other church youth groups there. It was like rent out the amusement park night by these church youth groups. And, and I remember us five guys were, were riding rides. We were having fun, and not long into the night, 
a girl caught our attention. We were very curious about her. <laughs> Five guys, one girl, not good odds. But anyways, so she caught our attention. And, and all the whole night, we were there for about six hours. We seemed to see her all over the place. And we were always like pointing her out and talking about her and, and, and talking uh, to each other and, and just so curious about this girl, but not curious enough to ever actually talk to her face-to-face <laughs> or introduce ourselves. Maybe you see why my nickname is vanilla I don't know but anyways okay so so we were curious about her but we kept our distance right we were scared of what we could lose our reputation um, our man card whatever Um, but but this is the image of Nicodemus that I have he's curious about Jesus from a distance he wants to know more about Jesus but he's fearful so Nicodemus eventually works up the courage after evidently watching Jesus from afar for some time. He had watched Jesus' ministry. He, he finally makes up enough courage to come to Jesus at night, and he comes to Jesus then. But Nicodemus makes me think, how many of us are stuck in that curious phase? That, that phase in our relationship with Jesus where we would say, we're curious about Jesus, but just curious enough to stay at a distance. We, we've been watching Jesus, we've been thinking about Jesus, but we've not committed. We don't want to get too close because we have a lot to lose. Our reputations, our resources, the people around us might begin to think differently about us if we get too close to Jesus. You see, the truth is that fear can hold us back from relationship, and it can hold us back from a relationship with Jesus. It's possible to come to church regularly. It's possible to be a part of a group. It's possible to serve in the church and remain curious about Jesus and not commit to following him. You see, there's a big difference between being a fan of Jesus and being a follower of Jesus. And so we have Nicodemus coming to Jesus at night, uh, curious. He's, he's a fan. He's interested He wants to check things out before he fully commits. He's on the fence, if you will. And you know what is surprising? Jesus welcomes him. This Nicodemus is is a member of Jesus' enemies, and and he's curious. He's not committed, but Jesus welcomes him. He has a conversation with Nicodemus. He challenges Nicodemus' understanding of God, and then he shares a couple of sentences with Nicodemus that are some of the most quoted Bible verses of all time. John chapter 3, verse 16 and 17, he tells Nicodemus, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Jesus welcomes Nicodemus. He welcomes the curious. And to the curious, Jesus says, you must believe and be born again. Jesus invites the curious to commit their lives to him, to change the way they think, to be born again. And so we have Levi the cheat, Nicodemus the curious, and the third person we're going to look at today is the woman at the well. And, And here's just a part of her story. 
The Bible tells us, So Jesus came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? Jesus' disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. And Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. And we, we kind of move on in the story. It continues in verse 16. Jesus told her, Go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you have had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. So what you have just said is quite true, and we skip ahead even a little bit more here. Just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. No one asked, what do you want or why are you talking with her? Then leaving her jar, the woman went back to town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? So we've, we've come to our, our third and final person, this woman at the well. And this woman could best be described as the discarded. The only things we know about her are her ethnicity, her gender, and that she's had five husbands and the man she's with right now isn't her husband. You see, there's some hints in this story that the woman is is an outcast in her neighborhood. There's some other hints in the story that these five marriages that are no longer that, that ended were not by her choice. And so we have this woman who the folks in town did not respect. They likely talked about. They have talked about and they have discarded. And, and you have Jesus. And these two meet at a well, and Jesus begins to talk with her. This is a picture that's all wrong for multiple reasons. Jesus should never have talked to this woman. There is no scenario that would have been acceptable for a rabbi to talk with her. She was a woman, and and rabbis were not supposed to have one-on-one conversations with women back in that time. She was a Samaritan, and Jews and Samaritans deeply disliked each other, you may even say hated. And the third reason that they should have never talked is that this woman had a reputation in town by Jesus even talking with her. He was discrediting himself. You see, everything is wrong with this picture of Jesus talking with her. There is no way that should have ever happened, but Jesus did it anyway. This woman who has been discarded time and time again, so many times that she goes out of her way to get her water during the hottest part of the day at noon when she would see no one else. Jesus looks at her and talks with her. You can imagine this woman's sense of worth, right? And and how little sense of worth she has. The folks in the town didn't like her. 
she was trying to basically hide from everybody and go to the well when no one else would be there. You can imagine it's just an ordinary day. She goes at noon every day, so no one will see her. And there's this man there. He's going to ignore her because that's what everybody else does. But instead, Jesus talks to her. You see, I, I can just imagine the surprise in her eyes. How surprised and taken back that someone talks to her. And as the conversation goes on, this person tells her everything that she's ever done. He knows everything about her, but he doesn't judge her because of it. It's almost as if Jesus says, I know all this about you, but I'm not going anywhere. I'm staying right here. You see, what's really interesting about this woman is that she's not named in the Bible. We have no idea what her name was. The fact that she doesn't have a name is almost like a metaphor for her. It's like her identity. She has been discarded so many times in her life that it's like she's without a name. She's without an identity. No one even knows who she is. She is the discarded. I wonder how many of us feel like that. How many of us feel like we've been discarded? We've received the message that we're not worth the effort anymore. The next person walked out the door on us. And we feel discarded. We're, we're not valuable. We're nameless. We feel like we almost don't have an identity. Maybe we go out of our way not to be seen during the day. It's easier that way, right? To not be seen after you've been discarded so many times. But Jesus notices the discarded. Jesus speaks to the discarded. He, he looks them in the eye. He says, I know everything about you and I love you. I'm not going anywhere. And he invites them to believe in him. You see, the people who Jesus chose to serve teach us something about God. Jesus seeks out the cheaters. Jesus welcomes the curious. Jesus loves the discarded and treats them like his children. In the process, we learn about the heart of God. Jesus teaches us who God is by the way he loves people. You and I may be cheaters. We may be scoundrels just trying to get ahead. Maybe we've preyed on innocent and weak people. But Jesus doesn't see that. He sees a potential follower of his. He wants to sit across the table from us. He wants to have dinner with us. We may be the kind of people that are curious about Jesus. We're, we're, we're super fearful of what we would lose, and, and we've stayed curious for a long time watching Jesus from a distance. And Jesus doesn't see that. Jesus sees a person whose life could begin again. He sees a committed person whose life could be different. Maybe we feel as though time and time again, people have used us and left us. They have discarded us. But Jesus doesn't see that. He sees a person with immense value. He invites us to believe in him and to believe that his identity, the identity he gives us as his children, is what we truly need in this life. You see, I want to ask a question here as we head towards the end. What if in these stories you came to learn about God, about the way that God loves you, about the way and the fact that God came for you? 
for you the cheater, for you the curious, for you the discarded? What if all the things you always used in your life for excuses that God couldn't possibly love a person like you, what if all those excuses were removed because Jesus, in fact, did love people just like you? He loved you. What if God loves the cheaters? What if God loves the curious, uncommitted? What if God loves the discarded? And he invites all of them into a deeper, transformed life with him. But there's a second question I want to ask you today. What if you learned something about what God wants you to do with your life? What if God is calling you to love those kinds of people? Is there a cheater or a scoundrel in your life? Somebody that has used and preyed upon innocent and weak people to get ahead. Somebody that you really do despise. And God is saying, love them. Minister to them in my name because that is a potential follower of mine. Is there someone in your life that is curious, uncommitted? They are on and off the fence again and again with Jesus, and they won't just land. And God is saying, love them. Love them in my name. Minister to them in my name. Is there a person in your life or someone you know that has been discarded time and time and time again to the point that they don't even really have a name? And Jesus would invite you to love them and minister to them in the name of Jesus. You see, today I want you to know God loves you, the cheater, the scoundrel, the discarded. And he is challenging you to live a different life. But I also want you to know that God is calling you to love those same people in his name. As our campus pastors come and begin our response, what does it look like to accept the fact that God loves you? And God wants to use you to love other people for him. Thanks again for joining us for the Crossbridge podcast. The mission of Crossbridge is to lead others into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. And we'd love to partner with you on your spiritual journey. So please let us know how we can come alongside you and support you and pray for you by visiting crossbridge.church.